Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. The daily financial news and the five things that I think you need to know today. In fairness, today's like seven or eight things, but I cheated and I added commas because I want to stay consistent with the five things. First and foremost, let's start with the yield curve inversion. Folks, if you don't remember what the yield curve inversion is, we've talked about it for about a year. Most people talk about the two in 10. The Fed talks about the three month and 10 year. Today, the federal funds rate, the overnight lending rate is above the 10 year note. This is not good. Simply said, it costs more to borrow overnight than it does for 10 years. That is not normal. That said, we do have historical reference for this. In fact, if you go back and look at yield curve inversion today, you have to go all the way back to 1981. 1981 was the last time the yield curve was more inverted than today. So because I'm a real estate investor, I'm not just stocks and the overall economy. I went back and looked at what happened to housing in 1981 and 1982. And just so you know, folks, I got this right from the 52-year spreadsheet, which we give you for free. Yes, the 52-year spreadsheet can be found in my free course. It's in the bonus section. I think there's a link below this video. If you have not gotten the free course, which includes this spreadsheet, I, I don't know what you're doing. It, it's a day of my life that I will never get back collecting all of that data. And just so you know, one of the tabs highlights all the data sources. These numbers are not made up. We link the data sources. So now, how did housing do in the worst yield curve inversion ever? Well, first and foremost, we have to talk about affordability. There's a lot of talk about housing affordability today, and it is horrible. Housing affordability is horrible. You know what? It was worse in 1981. 1981 was the worst year since 1970. Interest rates had risen to over 16% for the average 30-year mortgage. Housing was flat, unaffordable. It was, again, I don't know what to tell you. It was worse than today. 1981, worst year on record. So what happened? Well, first and foremost, rates in 1981 went up 290 basis points, right? They went up to 16.6, which was a rise from 13.5, something like that. So again, they went up 290 basis points. Transactions 
crashed 48%. Sound like today? Rough or tough? Now, what about housing price? You guys are, you're not going to like it. Median home price in a year that was the worst housing affordability ever, where transactions fell 50%, appreciation was 7.2%. Now, of course, that is nominal, not real. In real terms, it was negative. These are nominal prices. Now, just for grins, let's go back and look at 82, because as I've tried to help you understand, housing moves slower. So maybe the pain landed in 1982. Well, first and foremost, rates went down 0.6 or 60 basis points. So 1981 was the peak. Affordability got a little better, but not much. It is the second worst year to buy a home. Transactions went even lower in 1982. And then finally, price appreciation did not come in at 7%. It definitely slowed down. It went to all, all the way down to 4.8% positive. Now, I want to be clear. These are nominal because from my memory, I believe inflation was still 6%. So on real terms, they were negative. No question. But housing, nominal. Debt, nominal. So again, I think it's really interesting when people quote 1981 as the worst year ever, that people don't go to the next step and simply ask, what happened to housing? Housing was the most unaffordable in 1981 of any year in the last 52 years. It was bad. I mean, who could afford a home at 16.6%? Nobody. Transactions crashed almost 50%. The price is sticky. It's inelastic. People don't move. That's, that is what I am anchored on for the next couple of years. We shall see. So again, it's interesting to talk about 1981 because you have the data. You have the data all the way back to 1970. Go enjoy. Go look at it. The S&P, inflation, CPI, wages, income. It's all there for you. Have fun. Go nuts. Billionaire Barry. I'm just going to call him Billionaire Barry. Remember Billionaire Barry from Starwood about two months ago? I did a video on the Daily Financial News saying, Barry, thou protest too much. Yesterday, I celebrated this with a nailed it spreadsheet or shirt. Barry's in trouble. Barry's mortgage company, kaput, bankrupt. Barry's Starwood REIT, second largest REIT, has now stopped redemption. That is not good, folks. Well, Barry is now out and about saying the Fed has done too much too quickly. Just look at the yield curve. He believes that the Fed is killing the economy, which really means the Fed is killing my business. And I really like this part. Billionaire Barry has given up on the U.S. Not really. He just doesn't like to invest here because the cost of capital is real. So Billionaire Barry's going to Japan. Yes, folks, Billionaire Barry can't borrow money cheaply here, can't get the right returns. So he's going to go to Japan where you can still get low interest rates. In my opinion, Barry got caught. His deal structure was bad. His interest rate is bridged debt. He thought free money would last forever. Billionaire Barry. As Warren Buffett would say, you were swimming naked, my friend, and we nailed it right here on this channel. So, Billionaire Barry, I don't think any of us feel bad for you. You took uh, unwise risks. You thought the party would never end. You got got. That's, uh, that's what's going to happen. 
So let's talk about Toll Brothers. We talked about Toll Brothers yesterday because Toll Brothers was reporting after the hours. Yesterday, we're going to talk about him this morning. Toll Brothers was important for me because if you don't know, Toll Brothers is luxury housing. It, they just are. Spec housing, large, 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 large expensive homes. In fact, from their earnings, their average home, $950,000. So Toll Brothers does not play first-time homebuyer, does not play really even in the move-up market. Toll Brothers plays at the tip of the tip of the income scale. So I don't know about you, but I expected Toll Brothers to have a disaster of a quarter. And in fairness, what we saw from Toll Brothers is they are running a good business. Toll Brothers margin, 27%. Expected, 25.7. Where are the discounts? Margin, better than expected. Earnings per share. They were expected to make $3.96 a share. That's the bottom line. That's like, right, we sell homes, we have operations, we pay people. They were supposed to net $3.96. They netted $5.63. They are expected to deliver 1,750 to 1,850 homes in Q1. They are expected to deliver eight to 9,000 for next year, 2023. In reference, in 2022, they delivered 10,500. So next year, they're going down, let's take the low end, 20%. This is what I expected builders to do. These folks talking about builders like they're going to keep building product and lose money on every home. That's not how they work. They're just going to slow down. Toll Brothers are going to build more spec homes, which means they get paid up front. So again, Toll Brothers is not going out of business at least not based on these reports. Um, revenue of 3.5 billion, expected 3.1. Again, think about that. They were expected to deliver 3.1 billion in revenue. That's the top line. They delivered almost 3.6 billion. They still have 8,098, let's call it 81 homes in backlog. Think about that. They have, let's call it 8,000 homes in backlog. They're supposed to do 8,000 homes next year. They can just deliver their backlog and they will hit their numbers. I think that's pretty crazy. It is fair to say that net sales are down 60%. It's okay. They're going to build less. Toll Brothers will simply build less homes. They are okay with that. And their backlog is down 20%. So again, Toll Brothers numbers, I expected to be bad. I expected to hear pain. I expected to hear lots and all of this. Nope, Toll Brothers is just running a tight ship saying, hey, we're going to do spec homes where we get paid up front. We're going to slow down our building. We're, we're okay. So if of all the builders, Toll Brothers, um, they know how to run a business. Good for them. How about Morgan Stanley? Something else that I will take credit for that we've talked about for quite a while is a white-collar-led recession. I talked about finance and tech. We've seen a bunch of tech layoffs, right? Meta, Amazon others. Well, we got our first big finance one yesterday. Morgan Stanley cut 2%. You're going to see a lot of finance companies, Wall Streeters, cut headcount before Christmas. They're going to reduce their bonus pool so they can hand more dollars to the folks they want to keep. So again, Morgan Stanley reduced 2% of their global staff. The cuts are not over. Finance, tech, Wall Street, it's going to be a white collar led recession. 
in my opinion, just another example. So folks, I don't know if you saw this, but a, a very important video from my Tuesday expert, Beth. We talked about her buy box, her area of expertise. And I want to ask you this question. Beth showed us the data, so you can go back and watch the video. In her buy box, the area that she served, this is what happened. And I want to ask you, what do you think happened to price? In Beth's buy box, the area that she serves, inventory is up 702%. Transactions are down 45%. Interest rates for everyone are up 300 basis points. Remember, as interest rates go up 300 basis points, prices are supposed to crash 30%. As inventory goes up 700%, prices are supposed to crash. As transactions fall 45%, prices are supposed to crash. Isn't that what everybody tells you? You can go look at the data for yourself produced by a third party. Prices year on year were up 0.8%. That is flat. I think it's amazing that people don't look at the real information. Now, yes, in many markets like Vegas, Brian Lebo, we talked yesterday off the peak. That's your iBuyers being stupid. Folks, Brian Lebo's video, if you didn't watch it from Vegas, I think he said 47%, 47% of active listings are vacant. That's not good. That's not good. There is real pain. iBuyers distorted markets. It's, uh, there are some pain. Phoenix, Arizona, Austin, Sacramento. Same spots you know about. Real pain. But those cities are not the country. So I think it's really, really weird that inventory can go up 700%. Transactions can crash 45%. Interest rates can go up three, 300 basis points. And prices are flat. Housing is a necessity. It sticks. So we not have only demand destruction. We have supply destruction. And not a lot of people see that out there. So I thought that was interesting. Larry Summers. Man, good old Larry Summers. Larry Summers says that Mike Zuber is wrong. He didn't quote me by name, but I knew who he was talking to. Larry Summers says this channel is wrong. Specifically, Larry Summers says the Fed will not stop at 5%. Something I have been anchored on for several months now is a terminal rate of 5%. Larry is like, not enough. Not enough. The Fed's going to 6 Now, I believe what happened two weeks ago. Was it two weeks? It might have been last week. I think it was last week. I think 6 is off the table. But hey, Larry Summers, a lot more experience than me. That's what he thinks. Larry Summers thinks 6 I am not changing my opinion. I think we, we, we top out at 5%, but we will see. We will see very, very soon. We probably will see in the next six months or so. Next up, Grant Cardone. I don't know if you saw this, but Grant Cardone is launching another fund. This fund is going to be a real estate distressed fund. We talked to Jonathan Twomley and Anna Kelly last week about, I think it was like, what was it? 1,483 multifamily properties that do not meet debt service. Folks, there is a ton of pain coming in syndications and multifamily. You and I have been talking about it for six or nine months. Grant Cardone is taking action 
he is creating a fund for accredited investors to go after that market. I think that is genius, frankly. I think when you hear Grant say he's going to do $10 billion in deals over the next two or three years, if he raises a billion dollars in private capital, I think he might. I think he might. Now, again, I think this is, I think, again, we are heading into a recession. The people in the multifamily and in office and hotel and warehouse, they have bad debt structures, unrealistic expectations. It's the same sin that was committed in residential is now in multifamily. So again, I expect to move into multifamily 1031 exchange next year and the year after, but we shall see. So I think, I think that's the right attitude where there is great pain. There is great opportunity. So I think what Grant Cardone is doing is the right thing. Be opportunistic when deals blow up. Be that borrower who's got the track record to take over. And again, if you know my story, you read my book, we have bought off or we bought apartment buildings, zero down directly from banks. It happened. We did this, I think it was 2012, might've been 2013. It happens when when operators blow up, you can step right in. We had to escrow 50 grand in one case. The other case, I think it was closing costs. It, it can happen. So look forward to that opportunity. In the end, folks, last thing to tell you about is Millennial Mike has now got more videos from the mastermind loaded. I'm going to be downloading them and uploading them to the course for free uh, over the next, probably the rest of this week. So folks, again, I... I don't do this a lot. If you want to buy the course, how to get started one rental at a time. If you want to see the mastermind, buy the course today, because once we're done loading this, we are jacking the price up. There is eight hours of this mastermind included. Once those are loaded, we're going to bring the price up to $399. i am not done loading them, so it's still $319. And then again, remember, if you buy the course, course, please do your favor and join the Facebook group that comes with it. Amazing rock stars, networking, celebrating, lots of stuff going on. You will thoroughly enjoy it. And again, let's congratulate someone who got their first deal, folks. Yes, we are sending out first deal number three. Yes, these cards are numbered now. This is number three out of 100. It is going to Joaquin and Mary. Joaquin and Mary, congratulations. Uh, for your, I think it was a duplex, if I remember what you sent me. Congratulations. And then Michelle, your book is finally going in the mail. Sorry, it took me a while. I actually had it on my desk and I forgot to send it. So Michelle, your book is being mailed today. So folks, if you if this channel helps you and you get a deal, let me know. I'm trying to send out a hundred of these and a thousand of these. Right. These are deal cards. Every time you get you can get five, 10, 15 of these, but you can only ever get one of these. So, folks, let me know if you're closing deals. I want to send out some cards. Have a great day. It is Wednesday, December 7th, and we're going to talk to Anna Kelly in a few minutes. Bye bye.